Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. Well, today I'm excited to share with you the second half of my conversation with Terry Cole. She unpacks eight practical steps to bring back passion, aka sexual passion, into your relationship. If you haven't listened to the first half, listen to part one. It's episode 26 on the Inspiration Rising podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, the smartphone app, Google Podcasts, or of course on our website at insporising.com. Now, I really would encourage you though to go back and listen to part one because it really provides a needed foundation for the things that Terry discusses here in part two. Now, as a reminder, Terry is a licensed psychotherapist and global leading expert in mindfulness, meditation, relationships, and well-being. And for two decades, she's worked with some of the world's most well-known personalities, from international pop stars to Fortune 500 CEOs. And she empowers over 100,000 women weekly through her platform, online community, popular podcast, The Terry Cole Show. You should definitely listen to it. And you may have seen her on television as an expert therapist and master life coach, on A&E's Monster-in-Law's TEDx, The Lisa Oz Show, and Real Housewives. Now, at the end of this episode, I share with you a link where you can download a PDF with all the eight ways that Terry unpacks in this conversation, so you don't necessarily need to write them down as she's talking about them. Just go and download the PDF. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Terry Cole. You have these eight steps that you talk about bringing the passion back. And that actually is number one, which is a self-inventory for resentments. Yeah. Can you walk us through a couple more if they're, sure. you know, obviously there are listeners at all different stages of life, but we have quite a few women who are, they're in the middle of that marriage. You know, maybe they have kids or the kids are going off to college. What are some things that we can all do to help bring that passion back? Well, the second thing on the list we've kind of already talked about, which is making a commitment to being physical, even if it's not initially sexual, right? It's like you can take the pressure off by not being like, we have to have mind-blowing sex tonight. Let's just start with small steps of just starting to reconnect in an affectionate way, because as that study shows, affection leads to more desire, which leads to more sex, and the other way around, which is great. Another thing is talking, because this is the thing. So I call it being more voluntarily vulnerable with your client, which is different than being indiscriminately vulnerable, right? It's it's mindfully wanting to make that connection. I see with my husband and myself that we've spent many years together, and I'm quite a talker, so talking about lots and lots and lots. And even if it's what did you dream last night or what did you eat today or how are you feeling or how's your back from, you know, if I remember something was hurting him or my husband's um, like a political artist. So I'll say, Oh, how's that job going? It's, and even sometimes it's just, we're driving and I'll say, Hey, what are you thinking? Now this is not like the Spanish inquisition. Like I, I'm not worried <laughs> about what he's thinking, right? right. <laughs> I'm actually interested in what he's thinking and I'm interested in him. And so part of it is staying interested and keeping a conversation, which can be difficult when you have a lot of uh, things on your to-do list jointly, children, listen, we're just all trying to pay the friggin' bills and like do whatever we need to do to like get through life. We hope we're enjoying it as well. But there are times when, especially if you have a lot of kids or I mean, we raised three and that's, that's a lot at one time. 
it's easy to just be like, we're tag teaming life, right? You got this, I got that, bye. See, see you, you know, especially when you've got little kids who are not sleeping. It's like, you know, it's very easy to, to be completely disconnected. And it's a, it's a massive effort to try to have a real conversation. But I always suggest to clients that they, it's called state of the union, which is that every other week, maybe, even if it's just 30 minutes over a cup of coffee, my husband and I do it on Sundays with the New York Times and coffee in bed, where we just talk about like, how are we doing? How is it going? We start with gratitude because that makes it easier to talk about the things that if something needs our attention, that's not so positive. Mm -hmm. We start with, thank you so much. You stayed up with the baby Tuesday and Wednesday, and I really appreciated it because I had that big meeting on Thursday. Like gratitude becomes, which is also a way of being voluntarily vulnerable. Because when you become resentful, gratitude is usually the first thing to go away because you're like, I'm not giving them anything because I'm still mad at them for these things. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you the simple niceties of always being polite with your partner. And I don't mean formal. I mean grateful. It doesn't matter when my husband and I get up, whoever's the last person makes the bed. The other person later is like, thanks for making the bed. That may sound crazy and like redundant. Like every single day, somebody thanks someone for making the frigging bed. And the answer is yes. Because what are we doing? We're, we're adding things to this well of goodwill. And when the shit hits the fan, you're going to need that reserve in that well. So there, these are small ways whether it's whoever unloads the dishwasher, oh, I was going to do that, but thank you for doing it. Changing the laundry, all these things, because we're, my husband and I live pretty like partners, right? We both own our own companies. We, we do our own thing. But I'm pretty clear that he definitely doesn't work for me. So anything he does for me is a gift. Anything I do for him, he sees it as a gift. And it feels good to be acknowledged. It makes us feel important. And, th and that our efforts, it makes me want to do more. And this is how we continue to add to that well of goodwill. Because when, the, I mean, imagine if every time you did something, the person you're with was like, thank you so much for dinner. It was delicious. I And, and something that's equitable. If my husband cooks, I clean the dishes away, which is usually how it is because he's a better cook than I am. But anyway, so we're, we're basically looking at trying to take time to actually talk when you do if you're going to do a state of the union start it with the gratitudes and then it's okay to move into you know i would have appreciated more of a heads up on that thing on wednesday i felt like you put me on the spot whatever it is what we're doing in having a state of the union is we're normalizing having conversations that are not all positive mm -hmm. and that are not all negative because you have some couples who are just into blame shame, guilt, blame, shame, guilt. And I mean, nothing kills a relationship faster than that dynamic. It's just a nightmare. Even how this plays out in a family environment, because like our kids are 19 and 16 and we mm -hmm. have dinner, we have dinner almost every night. Um, we actually have dinner around our coffee table. Um, the TV's off, but it's just a, it just works for our family. Mm -hmm. And we have, um, we do highs and lows every single night. That's and great. so Every person gets a chance to, you know, talk about their day. And it started to be one high and one low probably many, many years ago. And now it's 
kind of just a recap of whatever you want to talk about. And we'll kid each other. We're like, okay, you know, how much are you going to talk? You know, we, we, we're playful. But sometimes it ends up being some challenging conversations, you know, because it becomes, it's almost like a nightly family meeting. Most of them are just super positive and fun and playful and encouraging. And then sometimes it can come up with some challenging experiences because there was unmet expectations on mm-hmm. somebody's part. You know, just this week we had a uh, a situation where um, a family member was using a piece of f- photographic equipment because we're all pretty creative in our family and mm-hmm. wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't left in the same place. And then, you know, somebody else was upset about something. It just gives the opportunity because you're, you know, it's, it's there every single night. And, um, that, that is creating that vulnerability, not just with my wife and I, but as a whole family, which is more connected to love, obviously not sexuality, but, um, it helps my wife and I stay on the same page. Yeah. But you're also look at what you're, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing to do because look at what you're doing for your children is that you're creating this muscle for them to tap into being mindful. They have to tap into, oh, I'm recapitulating my day kind of because someone's asking me. Let me think, how was that? Would mm-hmm. I do that differently? This creates present moment consciousness in a way that if you just were shooting the shit about nothing, it probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So it really is. I mean, that, that's that's a beautiful thing. And I think couples can do that too very easily and in a very non-threatening way. Mm-hmm. So rather than carving out 30 minutes would be too much, how about just sharing the high and the low? Because again, this normalizes, right. oh, I have I have the floor, you have the floor, right. this person has the floor, you know? Right. And it, it's, it's institutionalizing it. We haven't even thought about it in that way, but it's going, no, 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 this is kind of, this is normal. This is what we do. Um, which creates the connection, which is what you're talking about, that we want the vulnerability and connection. So um, number four, you say the, the fourth step is to shake it up. What do you mean by that? That we all get into, you know, we all do our relationship dance and, and we all become habitual because this is also part of the human condition. So to not be um, habitual around sex where it's like, I do this, you do that. Uh, you do that now we're done like that is it, it's so easy to phone it in that way but if you really want it to be more interesting and to have more desire potentially suggest something different potentially do something different that would be sort of out of the norm even if it's just making out even if you're like let no sex let's just make out tonight and when's the last time you just made out with your partner like we used to do that when we were teenagers it was pretty hot but you know, most of the time you don't, we don't do that as adults. It doesn't mean you don't kiss, but there's something about doing something that would make it different, right? Not only, I mean, I mean let's say if you have kids, then obviously having sex in the bedroom, great. At least there's one place you can have sex. But, you know, if, if you're empty nested or if you're on vacation, do something that your 18 year old self would think was really cool and let your 50 year old self have sex on the kitchen floor or in the backseat of a car, or whatever, just, and it doesn't have to be those things. I just mean, do something different. Mm-hmm. So that you're, there, there's more energy in what you're doing. And the truth is, it's more exciting. Because as I was talking about Esther Perel, about, so the thing that makes a marriage solid is the consistency, and that we can bring in this sense of mystery, 
into our sexual or sensual life. We can, you can role play. There's so many things that you can do that would make it more interesting. And maybe there are things that you wouldn't have done when you were younger, but now that you're older and know yourself better, maybe you'd be open to some of the things. Maybe your partner wanted to try something 20 years ago. Maybe now you're like, hey, maybe that could be hot. Let's see. So it's, again, it requires vulnerability, but it's something that it doesn't even have to be massive, just different. Mm -hmm. Good, good. What's number five? Number five is basically talking about what makes you feel sexy or sensual. It's like having some kind of a, a dialogue, right? It's like, it could be anything from when your partner cooks you dinner Right. See, I was when I used to do couples therapy when I was a couples therapist years ago. Which P.S. I hated, but I did it because I wanted to prove I could do myself. Okay, I did it. It was so stressful. I would like be dripping sweat every time a couple <laughs> left. I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? You don't have to. Anyway, the men would always be like, like the major complaints would be men would want more sex, women would want more connection. And and listen, that may sound. And I'm talking about heterosexual couples, or basically mainly who I dealt with. So I would always say to the men, and this is like heteronormative stuff, right? So it, I'm not saying this applies to everyone. I would say, if you think about helping her out without her asking you, doing the dishes, keeping your word, like doing the things you know that she wants you to do, I want you to think of that as foreplay because that's how she experiences it. When you don't do those things and then you get into bed and you feel like you want to like put your hand on her thigh, she wants to punch you in the face. So if you're interested, right, and then looking at what is it for, for the wife, what makes her want to be more sexual and what are the things that don't? Listen, the, you know, men are from wherever they're from, women are from Venus, Mars, right? I mean, that sure, sure. is One true. Of those. <laughs> right. There's a fact that we are definitely wired differently. And so your partner may not know, and this is also where the love languages can come in, right? Where this book, very famous, The Five Love Languages, has been around for, I'm going to say, probably three decades. Like, it's been around forever, and for it sure. is still- Gary Smalley. Yeah, right? Is that yeah. who it is? Yeah, yeah. It, it's so um, relevant still, because if we think, we, we project as humans, we project like how we want to be loved- that's how we love our partner. That's how we try to love our partner. Gift giving, words of, words of uh, affirmation, affirmation. Yeah, yep. uh, uh, acts of service. Yep, intimate touch. And is that all five, or is that four? No, we're missing one. So it's oh oh oh, it's acts of service, intimate touch, words of affirmation. Oh, quality time, quality and time, gifts. yes, 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 and gifts. Yeah. And now, when you can figure out what it is, if we and if we were going to say broad stroke can't be everyone but broad stroke men are really into acts of service so if you told your partner that you would go pick up their dry cleaning and you don't you forget they're on a business trip and they come back their feelings might be hurt in a way that you have no idea mm -hmm. so i i know for my husband acts of service are important to him even though he would not say that but i know it and it's true so if I say I'm going to do something for him, or if he asks me, even if it's something like he sends me a link to watch a friggin' YouTube video about something, if I don't do it, I can see his, his feelings are hurt. 
like he feels unimportant. So I always go out of my way. Not that even if I don't even care what's on the video, it's not about that. It's about he reached out to me mm-hmm. in this way. You, you know, the Love Lab, right? John uh, got what is it? Gottman. The okay. Love Lab. So four decades of, you know, he, he's basically the, the foremost expert on being able to predict couples who will stay together or who will get divorced within a 94% accuracy after being with them for 15 minutes. Okay. So he does this whole thing about the love masters and the love disasters. And so basically couples, we bid for the other person's attention let's say, X amount of times a day. So the disasters, there's different ways you can respond, right? So a link, a YouTube link, right? That's a bidding for attention. You're, you're sitting on a, a blanket in the park. You're reading a book. Your partner says, oh, hey, babe, there's a cardinal, right? So you can either positively respond, which is like aggressively positive, where you put down your book, you go, oh my God, let me see. You get up, you go over. You can be uh, positive and passive, look up from your book, oh, that's cool, but you don't get up, you're still doing it. You can be aggressively, passively negative, which is to be like, babe, who cares, right? Or you can be aggressively negative, like, stop interrupting me, I'm reading my effing book, la la. So he goes through this process that the disasters, seven out of 10 times, when one or the other bid for the other's attention, that it was either a negative response or ignored. The masters of love, seven out of 10 times, they gave them some kind of a positive response. Mm -hmm. And so this tells us how much that type of communication is important. Again, we're veering from what makes you sexy, but but this all comes back to being able to feel sexy, basically, Mm -hmm. is being seen. So I don't have to care about the things that my husband cares about the same amount, but I do care that he cares about them. Mm-hmm. Right. So if he wants to be super interested in, oh my God, the amount of classical music I go see, I want to shoot myself because I don't even like it, but I love him and he wants to share it with me. It's, it's not enough to be like, okay, go. I don't mind spend money on tickets, do your thing. He wants to share it with me. So therefore I do that because I want him to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, listen, if it was race car driving or boxing, I'd have to be like, no thanks. But you know, classical music, you can suck it up, go have a nice dinner, meet friends. It's fine. So anyway, back to what we were saying. And, and we, you can put the links if you want for the, um, the Gottman Institute about okay. all of the studies because his work is so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So back to just finishing up number five, which is to say, sure. if there's something that makes you feel great, your partner does something, tell them, you know, when you do that, you're my hero. Or when you when you do that, I feel so loved. It makes me feel really warm inside. When you do that thing, I was so grateful to wake up and see that you had taken care of whatever. Because these these are acts of service that make us feel loved. So a, it's about giving them positive um, verbal attention about the way they look or how desirable they are, but also sharing the things that they do that make us feel desirable. Mm-hmm. So that was number five. You know, I'm hearing you say it's not just feel sexual, but it's feel loved. It's feel appreciated, valued, seen, cared for, because ultimately that's that the connection is there. That um, and, and I think one of the things that that I'm really picking up on this conversation is how 
I would even say the view of sex or the role of sex changes over the lifetime of a relationship. So I think back to my wife and I, we met when we were 20, uh, we got married when we were 21, um, a lot of energy, obviously a lot of, a lot of energy in terms of sexuality and, and so forth. And I'm not even sure I connected. I don't think I did about vulnerability. I didn't connect with it about, um, care. It was more of a physical connection. Mm-hmm. And now I'm 46. We've gone through lots of ups, some pretty low down, some pretty low lows. And also I, I actually am on, uh, I've been on antidepressants for the last 10 years and mm-hmm. that really changed my, um, sexual energy. Um, and I find that she actually is more interested in sex now in terms of our relationship than I am. Mm-hmm. And I have found that for me, it's less about the um, physicality of it and more about the vulnerability of it. That as you're talking, because you're talking all about vulnerability, you're talking all about connection, you're talking all about love. It's like anybody who's listening to this conversation, they're not going to be in their 20s. There's no way because they're Mm -hmm. feeling, right? You know what I mean? Like it's like, you know, it's like there's just that physicality to it. It's, it's, It's that if you're talking about bringing the passion back, um, it's because there's a history there that has ups and downs, twists and turns, and there's history of emotional challenges, physical challenges, kid challenges, all of those things. Um, but what I'm taking from what you're sharing is that um, there's so much inner work, I would say, that is connected to bringing back the passion. There's the physical aspects of it, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of inner work in ourselves and inner work in the marriage of how do I make sure that I'm communicating how I feel cared for and I'm listening to how she feels cared for. Am I right? Am I right here? Yep. Yep. Yes, it is different. And I'll, what I'll add to what you're saying is that I have so many clients and myself have experienced this, this sort of resurrection in eroticism. After putting in the effort, right, knowing, right, for for me, it was menopause that made me go, where did my libido go for three and a half years? Like, oh, my God, this is terrible. And I didn't tell my husband that I was feeling that way because I thought he would hurt his feelings and then he wouldn't want me to do it just to do it for him. Like, I just was like, listen, it's it's going to pass, right? Went to my doctor, talked about it. And then about a year and a half into it, he's like, I feel like something's wrong. You seem like I'm hurting you. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Well, okay. So I wasn't telling you, but it can be kind of painful at times. And he was like, Tara, why didn't you say something? Hmm. And I said, you know, babe, I, I just thought it was going to pass. And I didn't want, I just didn't want it to get all like weird. Like where it's like, I'm afraid to touch you. I don't want, like, I just thought it would pass. And he's like, but you know, Tara, the whole time I sensed that there was something wrong, but I didn't know what. Mm-hmm. So as much as I'm sorry that there's pain now together, we can work on, so, you know, so, you know, I, I made a choice because I thought I was sort of protecting him, maybe protecting my own ego. I'm not sure. But as we've been through that now for about a year and a half, this whole new resurrected sense of eroticism and connection and adventure, it's amazing. And I've seen this with many of my friends that you go through those low lows and then if you stay in it long enough, and if you're interested, right? Because it, it requires 
a certain amount of not being lazy, right? When when we're talking about, we get into, you know how people say like, ah, you get set in your ways when you get older, you know? There's truth in that. And mm-hmm. so part of it is like, if we're ever in a hotel, I'm like, always hotel sex, yes. Like, <laughs> let's just take advantage of the situations that we're in, being on vacation, really being mindful of having more sex, different sex, wanting that connection. But again, so much of it has to do with how are you the other 24 and a half hours of the day? Right, right. And that's where the communication, the vulnerability, the affection, the flirting, all of those things affirming that your partner is still desirable to you, even if you're not having a ton of sex, mm-hmm. that they still look good. Now, one last thing I'll say before we get on to the others, and maybe we won't have time because they're going to have the download anyway, but about there's this thing that a lot of people have written into me about and saying, I'm in really good shape. I've been with my husband for 25 years. I've been with my wife for 25 years. I'm the person who's healthy and they've let themselves go. Mm. So they're not well. They've gained a ton of weight. They can barely get around. All they want to do is watch TV. They're drinking too much. So what do you do in those situations, right? And it's like, listen, you can only you can only take care of your side of the street. And there is nothing wrong with saying your lack of health is negatively impacting us. Hmm. Before I got married, because my husband's 10 years older than me, and there was another boyfriend I had who I really, really loved. And I was like, but he's never going to be in shape. And that's going to be a deal breaker in about 20 years. And I broke mm-hmm. up with him. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I was like, this is a lifestyle. And I said to my husband, you are already 10 years older than me. So you can never, ever let yourself go or be out of shape. Like you can't. You can't like suddenly become a late in life alcoholic. Like, no, that's not going to work. Because it's that, that lack of health really does profoundly impact a union, mm-hmm. you know? It does. Yeah, it absolutely does. Well, as you mentioned, there are several more steps here that I definitely want people to be able to get a hold of. You definitely want to download that uh, because it's got some great insights. And I I just really appreciate you uh, sharing about uh, your own life experience and all that you've learned through not only your education, but your 20 plus years as a therapist and working with couples. I think this is super helpful for people. And uh, I'm excited to see how it benefits people's lives. So thank you so much, Terry. And thank you for what you're doing and for having me because I really appreciate it. If you'd like to learn more about the eight steps to bring the passion back by Terry Cole, you can download the free PDF at insporising.com forward slash passion. That's insporising.com forward slash passion. You can also find all the links to her social media accounts in our show notes right there on your phone or on our website at insporising.com. Now, if you were inspired by this episode by Terry, be sure to tell a friend about our two-part conversation on the Inspiration Rising podcast. Tell them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. You could even take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and text it right to them. Yes, you can. Hey, this week, I want to challenge you to put into practice what you've heard from Terry Cole. Maybe you want to start doing highs and lows with your partner each evening. Maybe you want to just reach out for a simple touch while you're driving or sitting on the couch. I know that something resonated with you in this episode, and may you have the courage to live it out this week. Talk to you next time.